Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, um, back for another installment in our Westside Personalized Podcast, and I'm appreciative that uh, Richard Christie took some time today uh, to visit with us. We had Mr. Christie through the Westside Personalized Training, uh, what it would have been about two months ago, I guess. Yep. Yeah, we got a chance to kind of like, like at least uh, share as we do with that training, uh, yeah, a bunch of our different strategies and some different ways of thinking that that whole personalized initiative is, is trying to bring out. Uh, and I felt like Mr. Christie had one of the best takeaway to immediate impl- implementation um, things that I've uh, seen in my you know first semester here in this role, uh, and that had a lot to do with the idea of like flexible spaces and some of the uh, signs that he put up around his room. And so, uh, kind of kick it to you, I guess, for just a quick minute and say like, yeah, what was kind of your aha moment in the training, and then what did that look like then when you came back, like as you started to try to figure out maybe applying some of that stuff. Yeah, so in the training, I was uh, noticing how the trainers and the facilitators of the training didn't have fancy furniture that they were using in the classroom, and they were still using the flexible spaces, like when you guys allowed us to learn in different ways, and you were asking us if you wanted to read, there's places next to the wall where you can read, um, and things like that. Um, So I knew that I didn't need fancy furniture to implement personalized seating. Mm-hmm. and that I could implement it with the desks that I have. And I know that we've kind of been marketed that we need fancy seating to have personalized seating, but that's not true. And we see a lot of pictures of fancy seats <laughs> right. and all these things. And so I wanted to know how I could do that in my classroom. And um, I already had already had like an idea that was given to me by my mentor teacher, Chris at Hillside, who put numbers <laughs> around the room. Um, so that you can use a visual indication for students to work in pairs and know where they should work in pairs um, so that you can already evenly space them out so that you know they won't be too close to another group where you know that they can. there's a better chance they'll be successful and be on task. Um, so I had these the numbers around the room already, and I already had desks against the wall, and I was got to see how they did it in the training, and I thought, how can I do this in my room? I knew from previous experience that students don't just remember when you tell them something they need and excel when you give them visual reference that they can reference over and over again so that you don't need to teach them more than you actually should. So I want, and I like designing visual things, so I thought, how can I make a visual for personalized seating so that students can more understand the concept? without me having to pull terms out of thin air, I can reference the wall and uh, terms can start to become um, part of the classroom culture instead of just I'm making them up on the spot every time. There you go. So you kind of synthesized, I would say, what you had already kind of gleaned from uh, the teacher at Chris, right, that you mentor yeah. teacher. Uh, and then, you know, it's something that really I stole too from Robert Dillon as far as with the book The Space. Uh, that idea that like assign verbs, like give it, you know, what actions can like take place there, equipped with those pieces then, you made visuals, right? And so what do those kind of look like? Um, during the training, I was asking you guys for verbs and then you gave me that list and then I was excited that I didn't have to come up with them my own. <laughs> and then it was the challenge of finding verbs to represent um, specific spaces. Um, so I thought, what are the different, first I had to think about 
the different atmospheres I wanted in my room. Like, are they working by themselves? Are they working in pairs? Uh, are they working in pairs with a different expectation? Are they working in groups? And so I had to segment what are all the groups that might exist in my classroom during lessons. So I got it down to a person that might be working in a quiet space, not wanting to talk to anyone and maybe needing to not talk to anyone for productivity's sake. They can make the decision or I can make the decision for them. Um, and then someone working by themselves, but but there might be some background noise. It's not the quietest spot. It's still quiet and they can produce a lot, but they're still working by themselves. And then I uh, thought of multiple places where they could work in pairs and then move on to working in groups. And from the working by yourself with no noise, with some noise, working in pairs and then in groups, I uh, started thinking about where those spaces might be in my room. Anyway. So then once you have envisioned like what could exist and where those things yeah, could basically play out in the space that you have in here, then it also becomes a little bit too about making sure right that the individual desk isn't too close to the ideal space for the groups and kind of puzzle piecing everyone in like around one another, right? Is that kind of, how did you like, like where in your room, I guess maybe is my question, like where in your room were some of the first places you thought like, yeah, this is perfect for... Yeah, well, since I already had the numbers around the room, I knew that, you know, I had to decide whether I was going to make the numbers around the room a pair's place or an individual place. Um, I ended up making four separate wall desks around the room inspired by when we went to the training and they were wall desks where they read. Um, I, w I made those individual spots. So if you're sitting there, um, you're not talking to anyone, uh, no one, and also uh, there's a firm indication that you don't want anyone to talk to you. You're there for a reason. Uh, either that you put yourself there or you were put there, but you're there for a reason. Uh, so the expectation is to not speak to you so that you can get work done. And then I, I would say my main challenge was what verbs and what expectations am I going to assign to if they were sitting in their regular desk. Um, I put them in desk quad groups, like groups of four. Um, you know, is that going to be an individual expectation? Is that somewhere that you work in a group um, or is it where you work in pairs? I ended up making, if you're sitting in your original desk group, uh, you are still working by yourself because I needed more space to work by yourself but that's like the space with the background noise so what I mean by background noise because I needed to give students the availability to ask questions within a structured behavior expectation you know like talking shouldn't be breaking an expectation unless it's talking for the purpose of distracting someone yeah, or socializing, or socializing. Yeah. and so how can I phrase this so that they know that they're talking for a purpose um, and so I phrase that with a quick question and so that's actually been the behavior expectation that I've needed to reteach and enforce the most is what is a quick question um, and how do we make it so that we can still talk at our table groups without having the expectation of not talking at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so giving examples of what a quick question is during uh, instruct and um, inform writing about like should I have a comma here or what website should I be on or things like that not hey can you read my last paragraph and tell me if it grabs your interest that would be too long that would be too distracting to the people working right next to each other and so at that point they would need to go on to the next stage of moving to a number along the room um, so if they are asking for specific feedback and peer feedback then they're going to a number around the room 
once you move to the number around the room, you also need to teach how to give and how to ask for peer feedback. Asking for specific peer feedback with kids is uh, difficult because I think that they don't know exactly how to ask for peer feedback. Typically, they ask, uh, is this good? Do you like my paper? Um, do you like my last paragraph? And so I've, ha I've needed to make like specific uh, questions that you can ask a partner in those sections for whatever writing we're making, either it's instructor and form or narrative. Um, and so the easy way to do that is just every time you have a lesson, just write down the question on a chart of peer feedback, like the main idea of the lesson. So if it was powerful verbs, like, um, can you read this paragraph and tell me if my verbs are powerful? You know, just writing down the lesson so that students don't forget what the lesson was and they can peer feedback about the lesson that you had and so they can edit and revise their paper and make it better with the partner's feedback specifically for a reason. So do you feel that by mixing up the space and having to define those spaces according to verbs brought up a deeper conversation by needing to delineate the difference between a quick question and a right like drawing those lines uh, and a clarity <coughs> of like peer review and effort uh, did that start to like deepen those conversations, I guess, from where they had previously been? So it can lead to greater self-realization for the student to notice that they need to go somewhere else if they want to do something very specific. So like, I would like someone to edit my paper, therefore I'm going to stand up and go to this number. And I mean, I might ask someone to come there with me and that's okay. Or they can go there and wait for someone to come to them. But it can lead, so you have to teach it, but you'd have to manage the atmosphere anyway of writing. Or you could teach the behavior expectations of specific areas, and then students will start to make the decisions without you needing to manage them getting up and sharing. And in a way that will make other people be more productive. The flexible seating is just meant to increase productivity for all students by teaching them how to make the right choice about where to go. And it does take reteaching and you can't, you don't take it for granted right away, but they get, they start to get where to go to get what done. And some students you're going to ask them to go places to get more done using your verbs and other students they will go to the place on their own knowing that they need to do a certain task. And it's nice to see that. That's great. So, um, yeah, because on some level, like you're saying, once they sort of understand how to use the space and how to essentially relocate themselves to even ask for help, almost, yeah. it sounds like. Well. That's really that's really awesome. There's that agency piece that I think that we've tried to talk more and more about in our training. Um, but there are classrooms and there are teachers and there are classroom dynamics, too, where some teachers would say, gosh, you know, the... Um, my students couldn't handle something like this or that they wouldn't, uh, my students don't make right choices. Uh, have you found there to be teachable moments though, like having the opportunity to at least have a conversation and uh, what are maybe some uh, trial and error? It sounds like that there, there's been some new process yeah. to all this that maybe you have a reflection from. Yeah, I mean the trial and error is like, oh, I have a space specifically devoted to peer feedback. I need to teach them how to peer feedback really well. Um, and so that's a gap that students have in knowledge. So, yeah, needing to provide the sentence starters in order for them to succeed at that. Providing them with the amount of time that they should be there, and then they should go back to working by themselves, helping them make decisions like that. I mean, I kind of see it as you are providing the students with freedom of choice when they know what to do. So, like, instead of just telling them, hey, you shouldn't be 
talking that loud right here right next to this other person or correcting them or not there you see that they're talking across the room but you don't know what they're talking about you know you give them the, the directed freedom to go to a specific place and to talk for an amount of time about what they need help on and for writing's sake i've seen that because they have access to peer help and they know where to ask for help then they get writing done quicker um, instead of the expectation that your voice is off and you're chilling by yourself <laughs> and working, you know. If they yeah. have the access to peer help with an expectation of time and then they go back to where they were, then they get their write their writing is of higher quality and they get it done faster. That's really cool to to think about just all the different next levels that come with just trying something new. Sometimes we talk about is it possible to implement one you know, personalized element and not end up sort of <laughs> in another avenue or in another like lane. Yeah. Um, and so and and I think that it is almost impossible. <laughs> I think as you start to walk down one road, then you need, like you said, some more tools to kind of, or or at least the the conversation extends into like your sentence starters, like you talked about and. And what does it mean to actually be in a, a productive peer feedback like dialogue? So what about for like the individual one student who makes a poor choice as far as where they're at or is like routinely off task? Like how do you go about facilitating trying to get that learner to figure out uh, how to use the space to their advantage and to ultimately be productive? Yep. So when you're redirecting someone, then the language that you put on the display can impact how you redirect them. So first you would say, uh, say their name and like you are doing this the space that you're at is used for this because you are unable to manage your distractions I'm now going to ask you to go to a place where you can manage your distractions and focus better please pick this space or this space I mean to that point they have not been resistant if they'd be more resistant then you could give them reasons as <laughs> I want to see you be more productive and successful and, yeah. I'm, and I'm willing to help you put you in a space to see you succeed this is me helping you mm -hmm. um, get things done and willing to help you take the distractions away from getting this work done. Because you have, you said 12 spaces. I know you've sort of numbered them, I guess. How many numbered okay. spaces do you I have, have? I have 10 numbered spaces. Those okay. numbered spaces are meant to work in pairs or you could work there by yourself, but somebody could come up to you because you're there and they could share oh, okay. their writing with you. Okay. If you are in one of the four independent desk spaces those are meant to limit your visual um, so they are placed in a corner or facing a wall so that you're not visually distracted and farther away from other people if you are in the desk groups then you're sitting right next to other people but you know with the expectation that you are working by yourself you're researching and if you have a quick question they are they're right there for you to ask so well, and that's, you know, in the training we had the video from Josh uh, that I like to share where he went from a group of four to a group of two to the individual desk and facing the wall. And, and it's awesome to hear a student say, I found out that that's where I like to sit versus yeah. I was sent to the corner because I could be productive in place else. Uh, and so you do, you bring up like, I'm going to give you choices. And that's kind of that whole love and logic idea as well, right? Like, let's, let's think about how to take what, what's available and, and yeah. not put a student in a box and give them the opportunity to... Uh, to fail into the next spot almost and then see if they can succeed there. If that doesn't, then, you know, refine yeah. that process. And, and I think there's something to be said for pairs uh, also. There's a, also in our training, a student, Hannah, talks about how she prefers to sit next to one person. That's her go-to person. She's a little bit introverted. Uh, and that's someone who she felt comfortable asking questions, quick questions to. Yeah. So uh, is there a kind of final question, I guess. Um, has there been 
anyone who you think has really like figured something out that, that's kind of a, oh, that really worked for this student to kind of to help them be more productive in class? Yeah, so because removing like the wall desk stigma that you're there because you're naughty, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of trying to remove that stigma yeah. uh, and more of a I'm here because I'm making a good choice um, of productivity. Um, it can help students be more willing and wanting to go there. So, like, I mean, I have a, I have a student where their parents have even said, like, you know, it's hard for them to focus. They should be seated in a specific, you know, place away. Um, limited distraction. Just using terms like managed distractions and things like that with them. Um, I don't have to ask him to go to the wall desk. Like, there's a specific wall desk that he likes to go to because um, his vision is limited on three sides. Like, he'd have to turn around to see people so yeah uh and he likes going there um to get his work done so i mean it's nice to see that like i don't know i didn't have to tell him that he just likes that place the best so and how awesome you had to remove that stigma i'll be honest i was that kid i was, <laughs> I was always being sent to the corner i had to sit in the middle or in front of the teacher's desk i, I really appreciate here in classes like the you know environment you're providing here uh, where you know students can still find that place because I, I would have needed that spot <laughs> but just getting rid of the uh, the bad child I think it's like you said stigma that goes with yeah. it so uh, any advice I guess I said last question but this would really be my last one uh, that you would uh, impart to somebody just starting out just trying yeah I mean it doesn't have to be that difficult I mean I would just say if you start using la the language of the verbs that you place on the displays then students will understand what you're trying to say and it takes less redirects because they know that it's not just an expectation to like not talk for a whole like group for a whole time. It's um, abiding by an expectation of a certain space. And so there could be less frustration by a student from their expectation and less rebellion because you're not restricting their freedom to talk. You're restricting their like you're it's you make it more about productivity and not like controlling them. So. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Uh, what I'm going to do is take a quick lap around the room here uh, with the iPad and get a sense of just the space a little bit and some pictures and things. And so uh, for anyone listening in that would like to have a little bit more of a visual as a follow-up, certainly use uh, the resources provided next to uh, our podcast here. And um, yeah, like I said, just really appreciate your time. So yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for sharing and, and really for experimenting and, and trying some new things to support our kiddos. So. It's really awesome. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.